0: the blue wall now and tonight our special guest is jamie roberts how are you doing today
1: i'm great thanks for having me sb thanks for having me how are you
0: i'm good i'm glad you came you're our first comedian yeah all right all right that's what's up so uh i'm just gonna throw it out there where are you from
1: i'm from long island i'm from amityville new york uh, so, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Long Island, uh, been around a couple places, went to school down in Hampton, Virginia, uh, came back, lived in Jersey, lived a, lived a couple places, I lived a couple places, but I'm, I'm originally from Amityville, Long Island.
0: So how does all, um, considering all the places that you lived, um, mm-hmm. how does that impact the way that you, do, or the topics that you use in, inside, inside of your company?
1: Well, well, I, I, I do speak sometimes about my upbringing in my comedy, but uh, when you live different places, you get different experiences, you know, so you get to meet different people and you can pull comedy or you can pull life experiences from those, those places. So, uh-huh. you know, like living in, in, in Jersey city, you know, that, which was, you know, two, two different worlds, you know, it's the other side of the tree. There's always another side of the train tracks. So living in Jersey City was kind of crazy because I was living with my college roommate at the time. We got a we got a townhouse together out there. And uh-huh. when the people showed us the place, it was immaculate, great, you know what I mean? White floors, uh-huh. it was great. The, the day to move in, there was drug addicts everywhere on the streets. I was like, where the hell did y'all come from? <laughs> they were trying to help us move the furniture in. I was like, yo, we gotta move in at night when no one's around to see our furniture and stuff. <laughs> Because they're going to help us move it in. And then when we go out for work, they're going to help themselves move it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was, you know, different experiences. You know, it was just living in Harlem, you know. Uh, we lived in Harlem. We had a neighbor who, who, it seemed like they had a merengue salsa dancing class every night of the week upstairs. I'm like, yo, fam, does it ever stop? <laughs> you know, so... And it's just different different life experiences, man. You know, um, but you gotta find the funny in it or it'll drive you crazy. It'll drive oh, you yeah.
0: crazy. I grew up in San Antonio, so that's like little little Mexico. Little, so, Havana,
1: right? Yeah. Well oh, man, little, I little Tijuana,
0: right. Everybody had a DJ and it, it was often a mariachi band somewhere <laughs> in the mix and <laughs>
1: We got those too. We, you get a mariachi band on the A train. That's how they rolling up here. They on the train, playing on the train. While you trying to sleep before and after work, they playing a live band. Five pieces. They yeah. there, they there, drums, everything. You know, come on, man. I'm trying to listen to my, my music. I ain't want this live entertainment right here. Anyway, but yeah, that's what's going on here in New York. San Antonio, Texas. Texas where everything is bigger, right? What's the saying? Everything is everything,
0: bigger? Including the amount of COVID.
1: Oh, wow, yeah.
0: <laughs> everything is big
1: in Texas. Yeah, man, y'all don't y'all don't have, I think y'all get shot if you wear a mask out there, right? They shooting people wearing masks out there. <laughs>
0: they, they look at you crazy, it, yeah. it, it's different. It's different <laughs> depending on the area you're in because it's San Antonio. Everybody wears a mask but oh, okay. San Antonio is also a democratic haven oh, in the midst of republican, republican. insanity. Right. <laughs> right. You're so it's a little right. different in San Antonio and Austin but when you come down to like Dallas you can no, get it. no, nobody have a no mask.
1: Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? No. No, all right. <laughs> Do you watch football at all?
0: Not really. I haven't watched. To be completely honest, I haven't watched football since um, Warren Moon was Dallas's quarterback. Warren Moon? You said
1: Warren Moon? That's when they were playing with a pigskin. They didn't even have a leather (laughs) football. They had a pigskin. At the time, I think Warren Moon was like the only black quarterback in the league or something like that. Him and Randall Cunningham, right? It was him and
0: Randall Cunningham. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow, Warren Moon. Well, see, I was married. And so the the guys would come over and watch football. And, you know, I'd cook. Right, right, right play dominoes and cards, but I never actually watched the you game. You never got
1: into the game. Got you.
0: Yeah, I know the game. I just, eh. You got see you. two people throw a ball back and forth to each other, you kind of got it. Right. She said like warm, To man. me, football is like watching NASCARs oh, just no. running from oh, one no. end of the world oh, to the other, no. back and we, forth, back
1: and forth. We ain't going to do that. We ain't going to do that. I need you. <laughs> no, we ain't going to do that. Nope. <laughs> nascar and football is two different worlds you uh-uh. Is
0: everybody just going around in a circle nope, to, get nope. to the same
1: point you ain't gonna get me on that one nope that ain't <laughs> true at all that ain't true at all first of all you ain't gonna fan? see no first of all you ain't gonna see black people at a nascar event that's two different worlds right there <laughs> i don't
0: know they've, that's been two different to, worlds. they've been trying to wrangle hip-hop artists in there yeah, because it's money. That's why.
1: There's money involved in it. Once the hip-hop artists get into it, they know they can get some money out of us, and they're, oh, yeah, we got a black... Na-. They do got a black NASCAR driver. I forgot his name. But every time he drives, he get a ticket. I'm like, how come he the only person getting tickets for speeding out here? Everybody's speeding. He getting pulled over. <laughs> kind of nonsense. If that ain't racist, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> he driving with a boot on his car. <laughs> He got four donuts. Everyone else got racing racing tires. He's driving on donuts. Speed. With a spin. With a spin. <laughs> <laughs> the only one with a system in his car. Nobody wanna hear your music. <laughs> when he go by. Nobody wanna hear that nonsense. <laughs> go ahead and turn left, man. Anyway. But yeah, NASCAR ain't for us. It ain't for us. They had some black people trying to skate too. I what was it? Hockey? Come on, man. Certain things we just ain't gonna do. You know, we, hey, Jamaica's got too five cold. Jamaica got
2: five bobsledding teams right now. That's totally, that, that's totally different, man. That's <laughs> totally different.
1: Yeah, that's that's people trying to earn a visa to get here. I ain't trying to work with them. You know what I mean? That's totally different.
2: Visa.
1: <laughs> they trying to get a work visa to come play, come bobsled for the American team. That's what that is right there. <laughs> You sport your way into the country,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Especially when that, Trump was in office, he no
0: visas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I love doing this thing that we call comedy, man. I love, I love entertaining. I love uh, the whole the whole process of getting on stage, speaking my mind. It's like therapy to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say that you know you got to find you got to find your 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 way. About life, you know, in order to, to, in order to understand life. And mm-hmm. my, you know, the way I see it, you know, I don't allow stress to get to me. You know, I take it out on stage. You know, um, mm-hmm. we all have stressful situations in our lives and we have to deal with it, but it's all about how you deal with the stress. It's going to, it depends on how it's going to make you or break you, you
0: know. Um, you, you have a show that kind of deals with, um, real-life topics through comedy. What is that? I, don't you have a podcast or something to that effect? I know I read something on your oh, website. You, about... you were peeking through bios. That's what you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I'm nosy. I'm from Texas. <laughs> I'm the girl. I, I'm the woman with the blind. This bent right in the middle.
1: <laughs> Always looking out the window. Who that? Who that? <laughs> Ain't nobody knock on your door, but you know who got the package. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have an organization called Comedy with a Purpose where we uh, we 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 talk about real life situations uh, mm-hmm. through, a com- through a comedic tone. You know what I mean? We handle real life situations through comedy. So um, at the time when we first started it, I was working with New York City. Uh, what was it? It was a uh, SUNY and CUNY schools. So we mm-hmm. were going we did about eight different schools. It was called the one night stand comedy tour. So it was talking about, uh, addressing college kids about safe sex, you know, Mm -hmm. and sex is such a taboo conversation for administrators to have with their students. So we introduced, you know, the realization and the facts and the, you know, the statistics through comedy and, Mm -hmm. you know, how to protect yourself and, you know, you know, you know, the various cases of what could happen, the circumstances that could arise if you don't protect yourself. And so we uh-huh. did that through comedy. We hit about, I think it was seven, six, six or seven schools we did. We even went to the University of Wisconsin with it. Um, and it was dope. It was dope. You know, we were going to do, we did some virtual about COVID, you know, Um because COVID is such a big, a big, Issue that people, some people believe in, some people don't, which is still crazy to me. I mean, how the hell don't you believe in this? Um, yeah, it's like in your backyard. It's in your pocket. If you put your hand in your pocket without washing, guess what? You got COVID in your pocket. It's in there your, you know, it's in your life. You know what I mean? And you still want to have this, you know, theory that it, it's it's fake, it's made up. So, but you know, we we address serious issues through comedic, you know, through comedic uh, ex- explanations. I should say. But it was, it was fun. And, it, and, and the thing about it, the teachers and the administrators, administrators actually appreciated it because it kind of alleviated them from having a conversation, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and this is a conversation that a lot of students need to have when they first get to college because, you know, you're, it's the first time you're away from your parents. You have your own little independence. And, you mm-hmm. know, some people want to be fast. Some people want to, you know, not even understand the situations that they could be putting themselves in and even the dangers that they could be exposing themselves to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, it was a good, it was, it was a good run that we had.
0: Cool. Uh, when you, when you said you lived in uh, Virginia and you mm-hmm. went to Hampton, Where did you study it at Hampton?
1: Oh, I studied accounting. I started off as an electrical engineer major and uh-huh. after, a semester, after a semester of that, I was like, no, nah, I'm done with this. That ain't gonna work. Um, way too complicated. <laughs> and then I went to mass media and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna make movies. And then I found out that you don't make no money. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was good at accounting in, in high school. Let me see if I could pick that up, you know? I picked up accounting and, you know, I was practicing accounting after I graduated for Mm -hmm. 16 years. And then from there, I went to radio sales and then, you know, started our own radio station. And now we're uh, doing the radio and then we're doing a comedy club as well. So it's a lot going on in the world of
0: Jamie Roberts.
1: So what's the name of your
0: radio station?
1: Uh, 108 Soul, the soul of New York. All right. uh, R&B and classic hip hop.
0: Oh, cool. You 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 know you just worked your way into my heart, just right there. <laughs> With the music, the music selection. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Turn yeah. us on. You ain't gonna turn us off. I tell you that. It's, it's not everything you're gonna hear on the radio. We play that good music. Those those Rick James, those Isley Brothers, Mary J. You know those Ooh. those songs. Those songs that they don't play. You know what I mean? We play. You know, uh, man, first choice, uh, ladies of sky, all of it. You know, If you're talking about Warren Moon, I know you're talking about, I know you hear the music I'm talking about right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They make you shut your eyes. Yeah.
1: And bring it back. (laughs) It brings you back to a place in time, you know, a good place, a good memory. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: And it's not the everyday songs you'll hear on regular radio, you know, and, you know, that's, that was one of the reasons why we became so popular, especially during the pandemic, because we weren't playing all the music everyone else was playing you know um, mm-hmm. and from that little bit of mustard seed that we planted now we're up to about three hundred fifty thousand listeners a month so it's growing okay. you know it's growing but we gotta keep pushing gotta yeah keep pushing
0: so what made you interested in uh radio
1: oh so i kind of fell into radio because mm-hmm. uh, my brand manager because i was doing comedy full-time and mm-hmm. my brand manager she uh, pulled me aside. Well, she called me and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to manage you full time anymore. You know, I'm going to have to do it part time because I'm taking on this new job at the new radio station here in New York City. And I was like, what? New York? Oh, I thought she was playing. me. There ain't no new radio station in New York City. What you talking about? She's like, no, for real, for real. It's a new radio station. I'm going to be doing promotions for them, blah, blah, blah. So I told her, I said, your last job as my brand manager is to give me an interview with the radio station. And she made it happen. I went in there, o- overqualified. I was like, hey, I'm here for the promotion position. And the head of promotion was like, uh, no, <laughs> your, resume's, your resume's too you know, thorough for you to be working in promotions, uh, handing out T-shirts at basketball games. You know what I mean? At, you know, so she put me in touch with the sales manager at the time. And he actually went to Norfolk State. And I went to Hampton, which is a rival school. Um... And, you know, he told me, you know, listen, you can make a lot of money. You can learn how learn this radio business. And, you know, I I would love if you would take on the opportunity and become, you know, an A.E., an an account executive. So I said, all right, let me think about it. I've never done sales before. And he said, hey, man, you said you're a comedian. Every time you get on stage, you're selling yourself. And, you know, when he put it to me like that, I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, I haven't even thought about that. But to sell an actual product or something. I've never done that before. He said, no, you're selling a product on stage. You're selling yourself.
0: So Uh now you just
1: have to apply those same principles to radio. Um, And I did, you know, and it was kind of, I wouldn't say easy for me, but the transition was more of a smoother than going from accounting to, 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 uh, comedy, you know? Uh Um, but you know, I was pretty successful at it within the first three to four. After the fourth year working there, I became the sales manager for the radio station, um, mm-hmm. and and got to meet a lot of people. Um, I worked with DL Hughley. He was an afternoon personality. He did afternoons for us. I met Tom Ooh. Joyner. If you're down in the, if you're down in, in um, Dallas Fort Worth, you know about Tom, the fly job, Tom Joiner. Oh yeah, um, he used to do the morning show for us. So. You know, I went from <laughs> telling, telling crazy jokes on stage to being in meetings with Tom Joyner and D.L. Hughley. And I'm like, whoa, you know? Uh, and it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just so surreal to me that that can actually be, you know?
0: Yeah. How did you, how do you make that transition from accountant to comedian?
1: Well, I was always doing comedy. You know I mean? Like, I, I mm-hmm. never. I was always quote-unquote funny you know, I was never, um, I never thought about doing actual comedy to make money until I started seeing it in front of me. Like, like you know, I grew up on Def Jam. I'm a Def Comedy Jam type of guy. So when I see a Martin Lawrence, you uh-huh. know, that's my guy. You know, a lot of people say, well, it was Richard Pryor for me. It was Bill Cosby for me. You know, those are the greats. Richard is the greatest to ever do it. But for me to see a Martin Lawrence actually get on stage, as a host of Def Comedy Jam and see him mature as a host and then see him project into his own television show and then from there on to movies and just become this blockbuster movie star just off of stand up comedy. It oh. kind of lit the lit the the it put the the flame to my candle like yo this is something I can really do. I can really take off with. And I was just telling that story the other night like, you know, Mar Lawrence did it. Without *In Living Color*, without mm-hmm. SNL, you know, without *Saturday Night Live*, he did mm-hmm. it. You know, he 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 did it like you, you know, like he did it his way, you know, um, which is dope. And now he's he's able to do what he wants just from doing comedy. Yeah, and,
0: and *Death Comedy Jam* was definitely um, one of those platforms that. Mm-hmm. Re- really highlighted black comedians, and um it was one of those no no miss shows because it was the first time we got that like many, that. yeah, that many black comedians you know in an area that we could all have access to because Correct. Correct. You know, it was very easy for me to pop on the TV and see a Ellen DeGeneres or uh, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld
1: or Ray but Romano. Was,
0: right. Yeah, it was very seldom that I could pop on the TV, unless Eddie did a movie. You right. know, like other right. than that, beauty. It was very seldom you could hear a Red Fox or uh, Richard, Richard Pryor, Pryor when I was growing up. Right. right. Yeah, we we just snuck and stole like my grandma's records and that's
1: how we got it. you get to know Richard you get to know Rock, Red Fox
0: yeah
1: right
2: so uh,
1: yeah and and that's that 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 goes to the next thing that's why we started comedy in Harlem the comedy club mm-hmm. because there there are no black owned comedy clubs in New York we're the only one really so, and when you when you say like you're the only black New York black comedy club in New York City It's like mind boggling to people because it's like, why wouldn't there be another black owned comedy club in New York City? Well, you know what? People haven't put forth the effort to make it happen. But at the same time, I'm sure there have been reasons why it was blocked. I'm sure someone else had this idea. Every idea is an original. You know, I'm sure there were other reasons why it was blocked. But for us to have a home where we can go and perform seven days a week without having to wait for the quote unquote black night to get on. It's important because we all need a room. We all need a safe space where we can come and tell our jokes and and be heard by our people without any judgment. You know, uh-huh. it's needed. I mean, like this is this is what this is what, this is why we do it because we we need to perform uh, provide that platform that is sorely missed. Uh
2: huh. I have two questions. What um yes. what's the what's the name of the comedy club? And then when did it open up?
1: The name of the comedy club is just as simple. It's Comedy in Harlem. That's the name of the comedy club. Comedy in Harlem. If you go to comedyinharlem.com, you can get all the information there. Uh, We opened our doors. We did our first show there, um, Labor Day weekend, and then we opened our doors on a weekly basis, October, uh, the second weekend of of October. Um, And, you know, we've been going strong ever since. We just had, I hate to say it, though, we just had a, a a pipe bust because of the cold weather here in New York and the walls. So we had to cancel all the shows from last Thursday through yesterday and we got everything, uh, under control. Now, uh, the guys have to go back and insulate the walls to make sure those pipes don't burst again. But, uh, we're going to be doing our first show within a week. Uh, we're going to be doing our first show tomorrow. Um, oh, okay. So our first show back is tomorrow. You know, we still got the guys going over there tonight to finish up uh, the bathroom, to retile it. Um, and we should be good, though. We should be good.
0: Who's headlining the show?
1: Tomorrow Tomorrow is Wet by Comedy. This is when we have our Hispanic comedy show. So um, they, they come in. It's um, my man, Laz, who hosts. We got Aldo. We have a man, John. Uh, Eduardo, he's the, he's the uh, producer of the show. Uh, Product of Evolution is the name of his company. And uh-huh. they produce Webby Comedy, which is you know highlighting the hottest Latino, uh, Hispanic comedians. So, oh,
0: okay.
1: So, and no. we, where we're located, we're in Spanish Harlem. Our club is 117th and Pleasant, which is El Barrio here in New York City. That's what we call Spanish Harlem. So it only makes sense to have a, a Latino show. You know, the Hispanic show.
2: I have a, I have That's pretty dope. I have a few questions here, Jamie, regarding mm-hmm. that. Because I've I've seen some friends, like, open up restaurants and do other things during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges doing that? And then I just point blank, like, why do it during this time period? You know?
1: Well, all right. So let me go. Let me start with why do it during this time period. Because... Um, The pandemic, during the pandemic, clubs were still open. Comedy clubs found a way to stay open, Uh, whether it was shows on top of roofs, whether it was outside venues. But these clubs, you know, and then when they put in, you know, the the 25 percent capacity, that was cool. But where we perform as far as black comedians are usually bars and lounges in and around the city. And those places were not able to open. So we didn't have a place to perform unless we were doing a spot here or a spot there at a specific club. And that's when it got to a point where we need our own. We have to have our own. If we don't have our own, we won't be able to move forward. And that, that, that's, that piqued the interest of me, my wife, who's part owner as well, and another partner to say, Hey, how can we make this happen? Um, and why you were, you were asking this, some of the challenges, some of the challenges is that we have to re- remember that we are a business, and we're not just a hangout spot. You know People think, "Oh, yeah, it's a black owned comedy club. I can come in there and patronize it like I would do somebody's house or somebody's apartment. No, you need to come in here and spend money just like you would spend money at the other comedy clubs. You know you Just don't come in here and be a bump on a log. We need you to. To come in and be part of our commerce. You know, we're providing a service, pay for the ticket, buy a drink, whatever it is, but at least do something. Tell people about us. That's that's the best thing you can do is, 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 is tell a friend about a comedy club that you enjoyed. You know, if you didn't enjoy it, don't tell anybody. About it. <laughs> but if you enjoyed it, for sure, tell somebody about us. Um, but the challenges is now that, you know, with COVID still, Uh, spiking, now the numbers are starting to to come down here in New York City, um, is getting people out again. Getting people more comfortable with coming out and actually enjoying themselves. Because at a time, it was such a taboo thing to be outside. Like, you're going outside? Check the mail? Oh, my God, put on a mask, put on a glove, a hazardous suit. You know what I mean? It was like, no way, don't do it. And then it, it was like, all right, you got your vaccines. Yeah, you can go out, show your car, you can get into the club. You don't got to wear a mask in a restaurant. Great. And then, oh, my God, the Delta variant is out. Oh, my God, Omarion, as they call it, Omicron variant came out. And so now we got to put our mask back on. You got to get a booster shot. We, shut, we shutting it down. You know what I mean? And so now with the differences and in the in the mindset of, especially of New Yorkers, it's like, I'm going to just chill until this thing blow over. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go anywhere until I can figure out if it's going to come outside. Because I'm not trying to get sick in nobody's club. I'm not trying to get, you know, coughed on or nothing like that. But we ride the subway every day. And that's the the dirtiest thing in the world. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather. Never mind.
2: So, yeah. No. Nah, g- <laughs> <laughs> he said, never mind. Yeah, never I just mind. had a, I had a friend of mine. She was just saying, how come you're not coming outside? And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to be able to do. You just right. got the booster shot. I'm like, nah. That's why I asked. It's not a discouragement or thing. I mean, I, I, I admire, you know, you doing what you're doing. It's, it's and we've admirable. had some
1: sold out shows. You know what I mean? So, you know, we've had we've had some pretty good shows. And, you know, Eternal. not to take anything away from people. Not to take anything away from people who feel a type of way about not coming out. You know what I mean? Because you know, safety first, as always. Safety first. But you know, there's people who still want to come out. Broadway was open. Broadway's open now. Yeah. For that
2: same particular reason. For like a week or so. Could you right. let me sorry, I didn't want to cut you. Finish James. No problem. Go ahead. You're good. I want to ask, is there a way to do it like a what do you call it? A hybrid? Is that the word? Is there a way to do a hybrid where all right. Those who want to come can come, and then we can also send it virtually. The link to a handful of people, maybe at a discounted rate, maybe at the right. same rate, because that would be that dope. Too.
1: Yeah, we thought about too. We thought about that too. Um, the only thing is that like we would have to clear that with the comedians as well, because some people don't like their act videotaped. You know what I mean? And you have no control. Oh, yeah, of- you, you have, yeah, no control have no control of you have no control of who's doing what at home. And so, the, you know, the acts just have to understand, hey, listen, this is going to be live streamed as well. You know, uh, sign off on your disclosure. You know, we're not going to get paid anything extra because of it. But just to let you know that's what's going on to capture the capture the, the, the audience at home as well. Um,
2: and I feel like that's something I would definitely want to do. Yeah. On Friday, Saturday night. And just, you know what right. I'm saying? And we'll the, and the thing about it, I'm I've
1: done I've done those virtual shows via Zoom and it's been 80 people on a Zoom. Like, you know, because
2: all you got to do is this. All you got to do is pick up your phone. You and you still mean? get decent pay? You still get like a decent pay well, for yourself or less?
1: When we first started doing the Zoom shows, we were doing them for free just because we needed a stage and talk, to talk to folks. Uh-huh. And then we would put like our our uh, cash app handle at the bottom. Hey, if you like that comedian, this cash app is blah, blah, blah. Bless him with something. You know what I mean? Give them something. Send them $5 and you know, depending on how many people want to call, a comedian could walk away maybe 200 hours for their set, just just in, from their living room, you know? I'm like, wow, I didn't have to leave the comfort of our house? And then people started getting lazy and started doing the Zoom shows, like, yeah, I don't got to go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm doing it right here. But there's no real substitute for the interaction of a live crowd, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no substitute for that,
2: so... And that energy.
1: And the energy, you know, because... Sometimes it depends on the show. You know, everyone mic is muted. So, you know, you could just see, you know, you just see smiling faces and, and nodding heads, you know. But and then sometimes you have uh, shows where the mics are not muted and you can hear the laughter,
0: uh-huh. you, can, you
1: know. So it all depends. But, uh, I, I, you know, those shows, those shows ran its time, I believe, because there are people uh, who would rather be outside at a show and to tell you the truth, man, I've had people, <laughs> I hate to say this, man, but I've been doing comedy 20 years, right? So I've, I've had people say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to a show. They haven't been to a show yet, right? And mm-hmm. we, I actually was doing Zoom shows and they still didn't make the damn show. So I mean, like, if you can't pull out your pocket to see me perform, I'm not talking to you no more. You know what I mean? Like, it's that yeah. simple. <laughs> it's that simple. Unless you was at work or something, but you's always an excuse why they can't make a show, but um, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. You're yeah, absolutely right. Those, you know, those Zoom shows, or those those live stream links, do serve a purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh huh. Mm-hmm. So, what are your pro- what are the pros and cons of being a business owner versus just being the talent?
1: Oh, there's expenses.
0: <laughs> That's the biggest con right there. That's the
1: expense. You know what I mean? The, the thing about it, what people don't understand is that if, you, if you're if you running a business, right, and you have employees, the employees don't care how many people came through the door. They want their money. And I'm here. Yeah. I'm doing my job. I need to get paid for my job, right? If you went to work today and you punched in, you punched out, the end of the week, the, employee, the your employer is like, hey, man, well, you know we only had
2: so I can only give you... Like, oh, that wasn't the
1: agreement? <laughs> that
2: wasn't the agreement? What are you talking about? I huh? gave you my hours. I want my money. Right.
1: <laughs> Say no wimpy and papa. Hey, give me a hamburger today. I'll gladly pay you the No, no. That's not happening. You know? So <laughs> you have to really understand that when you're a business, you have to operate as such. So you have to have the reserve in place for when the shows get canceled. You have to mm-hmm. have... You know the reserves in place when this show or, or the showroom is light, and you have to make the executive decisions, hey, we only got eight tickets sold. Does it make sense to do this show? you know mm-hmm. are we gonna are we are we willing to take an, an l just to take an l? you know you know we, yeah. because every show has its own p and l you know it's profit and loss statement so i'm I'm talking accounting now so every oh, show yeah, I was
2: like p and l right profit I, I, and I got got it right so. now.
1: You know, it's like, how profitable was this night for us to do? No, but so, they're definitely
2: pros though, because they have to be pros, oh, the or pro- else you wouldn't do it. yeah.
1: The pros to it is is um being able to, how can I, uh, expand my brand. So now oh, I'm a comedian, right? I'm a comedian. You know, people know me from comedy. People know me from hosting events. But now I'm also a business. I was a business as a comedian, but I'm also a business owner now of a comedy club that can actually propelled me to the next level in my career, which is production. So we can produce shows right in our space. There's nothing uh-huh. stopping us. You know, the biggest thing that we had was the pushback from comedy club owners of what night we can have and what we can do in their space. Uh-huh. Now we own that. That part. Now we own it. You know what I mean? So yeah. the biggest block is our hesitation or our... What is it called? Procrastination
2: of getting it done. You know, we have. Or people not wanting to take the risk to go into their own business. Right. Well, the the risk
1: is always going to be what if. What if I come up on the short end of the stick, right? What if I don't make the money I need to make to stay open, to keep doors open? What if I fail? Right? What if I fail, man? What if I fail at this? Yo, you know how many people failed in life? You know the biggest what successful
2: if successful folks have failed right. many times.
1: The biggest what if is what if I don't do this? Where will I be?
2: Will I have the regrets. biggest?
1: Yeah, that's the biggest what if. What if I don't do it? Oh man. How, how am I losing a part of me? Is there a void not being filled? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of comedians have personally reached out and told me how important the club is, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's needed. When I, when I keep saying it's needed, it, you know, there's stuff that people want, right? You want a nice car. You, uh-huh. you, you want a nice house. You don't need a nice car. You don't need a nice house. But guess what? Comedians need a place to perform. And when uh-huh. we're not when we're not regulars at certain places, it's harder for us to get on stage. Uh huh. You know, people of color, people of color. I'm not. I'm not just talking about. And even some, you know, some white folks. It's hard for for us to constantly have a a safe space to perform at. So to say we're opening up a comedy club, yeah, it's owned by black folks. Does it, does it highlight black comedians? Yes, because we need it. We need it. We're not getting it downtown. They may give us some spots, throw us a bone here and there. Yeah, you may see, you know, Chappelle and, and Hart and, you know, those guys down at, you know, the other clubs, but that's not every night. You know, that's oh, not, that's not happening every night. And by us providing that platform for them, it's kind of like, hey man, where was this all along? If we had this when I was coming up, I would be that much more funnier. I'm going to tell you that because I would have had that much more stage time underneath my belt. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I would have had that much more opportunity to be uh-huh. seen, that much more uh, fellowship Practice with time. other.
2: Right, but other flexing th- that muscle.
1: The other thing you, you're missing is the fellowship amongst your, your brothers and your sisters in the comedy world. Yeah, you get what I mean? I like iron, a, iron. A, right? But there's a comedy community as well. So, uh-huh. you know, where do we congregate and just really enjoy one another's company without feeling ostracized? Like, why are they here? Uh-huh. You know? mm. is it black night tonight? You know, no, what, we, it's black knight every night, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's pull out the henny right you know what i mean make sure you restock that hennessy because tonight is black night you know so anyway oh what are they drinking do say yeah get that do you know but still that's why we that's why it's so important i believe it's so important and, and it's and, and let me put it like this the comedy club is black owned but everyone can get on the stage i don't want i don't Amen. want people to believe that oh it's a black club you can't get on because i'm a white man or a white woman I'm a you know, I'm a Hispanic woman, I'm a Hispanic man, Asian. It doesn't make a difference. We've had everything I've just mentioned on the stage already, and we've only been open since October. Come on, that, come let, on. Right. It just lets you know that comedy is universal,
2: especially with us. But it's not uh-huh. always
1: universal for everyone else. You know what I mean?
2: Damn, Jamie, you're making me I don't want to ask all these questions, SP. I'm sorry, but he's he's like sparking me to ask these things. Um the it's not even a question it's a comment actually this one right here of what you just said they said in in therapy right the therapeutic Mm -hmm. process trust is the number one thing that you need to build and then second is like rapport so trust and then rapport right they say scientifically human behavior when somebody has a belly full laugh it's very hard for them not to trust you right that's true how do you think that plays psychologically with how you move, you know, business-wise and everything, having that quote-unquote skill or trick in your bag to make people (coughs) laugh and put them at ease? How does that help you navigate? When when
1: you're doing business, right? Business, you want to do business with someone you trust, right? Mm -hmm. You want to do business with someone you trust and you respect. So the way that I navigate, especially during sales, is that I earn your trust by an icebreaker. You know what I mean? An icebreaker isn't Hey, snowing outside. No, that's, you know, anyone could anyone could say that. That's ridiculous. Right. So the icebreaker is something that I that I noticed that you probably didn't know I noticed, you know, about either your office or maybe a picture on the wall or something that's going to get us talking about anything else besides business. So now I've already gained your interest in what I had to say, because you see that I'm paying attention to what's going on around us. Right? I'm I'm observing what's going on in the room, whatever it is. And then I can interject comedy into it. It doesn't have to be a stand-up routine. It could just be, you know, a comment. Just so I can get a smile or a smirk, something, and then I know that you're understanding who I am. Then we could talk. You know, then we could talk. We get down to the numbers, get down to what we need to talk about. But it is about building trust, and it also is about. You know, putting someone at ease before you, you go and talk business with them. Because, uh-huh. you know, the worst part, the, the worst meanings are, hey, man, only got five minutes. Go ahead. Give it to me. No, I no, I, Don't rush me. You know what I mean? What, what, not a prostitute. Don't. What, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Let's if you don't got more than five minutes for me right now, let's wait until you do. Because I don't want to be rushed into getting into a sales pitch that I'm going to be asking you for real money about. You know what I mean? Because there's uh-huh. no connection. There's yeah. no connection. It just becomes a sales pitch. I don't know who you are. Maybe I don't even want to work with you. You know what I mean? So I need to know who I'm working with before. it's just a, a pitch or whatever it is? It, it, same thing with producers, you know, with, uh, with, with TV shows and stuff like that. You want to know who your producers are because you have to build that rapport with them. And you're going to have to work with them. That's why a lot of actors they don't take certain projects unless so and so is producing it, or if they know this producer, or if they have a sit down with the producer, a meet and greet. Um, but you know, those those are the little
2: things. Oh, oh. I have, this is my last one here, Jamie. It's live. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, this is. My last one. I do because I am because I want. I have one here that is that is I'm I'm gonna ask something naive because I don't know so that's what I'm gonna yeah. ask. When you say Black Owned Comedy Club, you're talking about like in recent years, right? Cuz I'm a, I'm assuming back in the Harlem days or whatever. People don't Yeah, Uptown Comedy Club people... back in the day. Okay. So it's been a while though. There's been like a right. drought and you're saying that you're one of the first ones now and I don't know how right. long do you think it is since there's been Uptown one?
1: Comedy was late 80s, early 90s? Okay. Got it. But, right. So that was my But question. the thing about Uptown Comedy Club, they were only open one night a week. They were open Sundays. Um, oh boy. I'm gonna have to take off the headset and charge this phone. So okay. they were
2: open, they were open Sundays. And they were like <laughs> renting somebody else's spot. They were like renting another yeah. booth. it wasn't their own thing. It was just okay, we had this night here and uh, we pay for that. Okay. Um but well, yeah, they what were, you were saying they they were only open one night a week. So,
1: you know, with us, it's seven days a week if we have shows seven days, you know um and we're moving that's the way it has to be it has to be ran like a comedy club you there yes i'm here oh okay Uh, y'all go go on and off camera on me yeah my um
0: my cup is bigger than my face oh
1: (laughs) you need to get a straw then girl what's wrong but you're allowed to drink it don't matter
2: you drinking, SP. yes, drinking out of a barrel?
1: are SP. Yeah, drinking out of a barrel. They're SP. SP. drinking out of a barrel. Yeah, <laughs> I know everything is bigger in Texas, but Jesus Christ,
0: what's going on? Big <laughs> It's the only way I can make sure I drink a gallon of water.
2: You drink it's it gone. out of
0: the gallon itself. <laughs> I drink. I, I, I drink.
2: You must drink live by 40, yourself.
0: Four <laughs> a day is a gallon.
1: Why? <laughs> she taking out a flower pot. She, has, right.
0: she hasn't
2: even had to get up to use the bathroom. I can't believe that. No, nah, she pee right in control. control.
0: Exactly. I am a nurse. She we right never to pee. That, to the empty container. You see how big that thing? <laughs> the <barrel. laughs> I am a nurse. We never pee. That's right. They're Always on their feet. <laughs> um.
1: So what, so else what you got
0: what, what was the, um, Turning point in your life that actually made you want to um, do comedy professionally for a living.
1: The turning point. Well,
0: the first time I got on stage, let me let me
1: let me go to that. My brother dared me to do it because we went to a comedy club and I was like, That guy's not funny. He was like, I dare you to get up there and do it. So that was the first time I got on stage. Uh into the competition. Uh, ended up winning as the funniest person from Long Island. So kind of at stand up New York. Um, and then I became like the house Negro, as I would like to call myself over there. So every time they needed a black guy, they called Jamie Roberts. Hey, yeah, let's get a young black guy on the show. And then I noticed, you know, that, uh, I was being used. So I said, the hell with you guys. I'm going downtown to the black rooms and start seeing like the talents and the Wilson Vinces and, you know, the Rudy Rushes and, you know, the Patrice O'Neils, those guys, actually putting in the work on stage and, uh, just started learning from them. And then I learned the business of comedy, I would say, uh, from talent, because I was doing a, a a show, a room rather, and Uh he was telling me that, you know, never, never put all your eggs in one basket as far as where you make your money, because that can be taken away from you at a moment's time, you know? uh the owner of the club could say hey jamie thanks uh but we're gonna go in another direction for this night and that has happened before so you know um you wanna you wanna make sure that you're able to first of all entertain any crowd not just a black crowd being be be able to entertain any crowd that's in front of you and also learn the business of comedy you know comedy is show business so part of it is the show the other half is the business uh, and you have to learn that part, you know, which, which, which speaks to building your brand and, you know, having a price for your brand, you know, that those are the things that are important.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Patrice O'Neill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love Patrice <laughs> O'Neill.
1: <laughs> a lot of people do. Rest in peace.
0: Yeah, how, how? Just as a fan for for, how was it being around him in a comedy setting? Well,
1: uh, I'm going to be a thousand percent uh, honest with you. I didn't hang around with Patrice O'Neill. I'm going to tell you that I was around him. Uh, yes, yeah. and I would say the the funny he thing was around me. Huh? Yeah. Exactly. He wasn't was around, around me. You're right, funny. Right. I was around him. I was he wasn't around me. Meaning, you know, um, I was a fly on the wall just observing. Uh huh. But he would say what's up? You know, he knew I was a comic. But um, the funny thing about Patrice is that you were never safe. Like, uh-huh. you know, you can get on stage and you were you were, you were were talking about bombing. Uh, and he'd be like, oh man, get this guy on stage. He's wasting people's time. And he would be saying this from the back of the room. But it would be so true and so hilarious that you had, you, you had to you you had to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? this guy, man. Come on, man. Next, you know, he'll do shit like that. And and it was you know it 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 was straight up no chaser. Like, come on, man. It's people out here who's really pursuing this, and you're out here wasting people's time. What are you doing? Go back to your open mics. We don't got time for you. People paid, you know what I mean. Uh, man, it, it it was just straight with no chaser. But the beauty about Patrice is that you know I don't think he was ever he was ever doing it to be uh, disrespectful. He was doing it more to to honor the craft of comedy, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like anyone can call themselves a comedian, which is like like crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like you should be, you should have to put in a certain amount of hours on stage, doing a certain amount of shows, uh, you know, be booked a certain amount of times before you could give yourself that crown, that that title. Uh-huh. You know, because it takes a lot to become a comedian and to find your voice and to be able to entertain folks. Just because uh-huh. you're on stage telling dingling jokes, that don't make you funny. You know what I mean? That doesn't make you a comedian. And you know, people people call themselves a comedian after two or three shows. And I think Patrice's whole thing was you got to honor the craft. You know, oh, get man. this guy on stage until he's ready. You know, basically is what he's saying. You know what I mean? Uh, this guy sucks. And, yeah, he probably did suck. And, you know, he probably had 10 friends who told him he was hilarious. Guess what? They lied to him. You know what <laughs> I mean? And they're laughing front row because they're carrying this guy on i'm like no he stinks you know get him out of here you know it's just like you have to learn you know you don't you don't you don't go from walking to riding a, a mountain bike you got to get on your yeah you got to you, you walk I and mean, first you got to crawl you got to walk you got to get your training wheels get your three wheels oh. then you get on your dirt bike and then you grab you know you get to your 10 speed i don't even know if they make 10 speeds anymore but, you know, you, you threw me threw me off with that Warren Moon comment, so now everything is over in my head. Uh, so <laughs> it's like you get your 10-speed and then you get your mountain bike. You know what I mean? So it's a progress to it. It's a process to it. Yeah. But in the world of comedy, you've done two shows, and you're a comedian all of a sudden. Like, wait a minute. I've been doing this far longer than you. So how are you and I sharing the same title? Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, it's it's... It's funny like that. It's funny like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I uh he's, he's speaking of bombing I, I, the most um hilarious bomb I've ever seen was Bill Burr had a oh, Philly Yeah, he used a <laughs> Philly,
1: yeah. He told him how they idolized a fake a fake fake person. You guys are cheering <laughs> for Rocky, he's not even real. Yeah, that was uh oh, man. You know what though? That rant. Help Bill Burr become who he is. It helped develop him into the comedian that who he is because, you know, that's who he is. He he'll go on a rant. Ah, the hell with this crazy nonsense. And you know, he his comedy was was born out of that rant on Philly. But Uh that goes to show you that what he was doing on stage wasn't him. You know, Uh for that particular show, it wasn't him, and he wasn't connecting. And he felt it. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm going to let these people know how I feel, whether they like it or not. And it was hilarious. That wasn't a bomb. That wasn't a bomb at all. Uh, That right there was a lesson. That was a lesson Mm -hmm. to comedians to let you know, hey, man, you could be doing your best on stage. You believe you're doing your best on stage. And the people in front of you are pan-faced. They're not caring what you got to say. But guess what? Give them all you got, uh-huh. and don't care. And he's like, "Hey, it's probably my last time I'm going to be here. So who gives a ah ah ah? You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's how you feel when. Let me tell you something. When we're on stage, it is such it's such a relief to really get off what we have on our chest. Uh uh-huh. If you want to hear it or not, right? But but for some reason, Bill had a lot more on his chest that day than normal. You know what I mean? Than any normal day, and he let the city of Philly have it. I mean, from everything when he started saying, Yo, you guys idolized a fake person. And it, the thing about it, it, it just wasn't f bombs and your mother f this, it was factual, funny stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because when you start speaking facts, it strikes a nerve, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, how dare he! But it was so hilarious. Because it was true, like you guys idolizing Rocky. What is wrong with you?
0: This is not a movie. And (laughs) and your brazier lives here, but he's black, so you can't handle it. You can't handle that. (laughs) You (laughs) You
1: can't handle that. And he's a Boston guy, so I mean, you know, he grew up in one of the most racist places in, 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 in the United States, so you know, he gets it, you know what I mean? And Bill used to come down to the Boy Academy Club and perform, you know, he still does the Patrice O'Neal, um, uh, tri- uh, what is it called? Uh, the Patrice O'Neill Tributes, they just, have, um, what is it called? Not the tribute, but um, anyway, I forgot what it's called, but they just had one yesterday, I believe. So but yeah, those those type of rants, that that's really, you know, that's gut-wrenching rant. Like, oh, I'm gonna let these people know how I feel. Whether you like it or not. You know, he should have just dropped the mic
0: when he left. That would have been classic. You know what I mean? So I take the base of this uh the base of this mic stand and throw right. it out and hit a baby in the top of the head, maybe right. they'll go to college. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Was like, Cause the city of Philadelphia is so it's, it's, You know It's so crazy man Like even the, the the Eagles fans You know what I mean They got a jail underneath the, the stadium Because of how wild the Eagles fans are You know what I mean Like <laughs> on themselves. Like who does that Because they get out of hand so. But anyway If you haven't looked it up Google it. It, it Go to YouTube I'm sure it's got a gazillion views On, on, on YouTube by now So But yeah you know, he, that, yeah. and he has a great, he, he has a great comedy career from, it. you know, he's done, he's done some amazing things on TV as well.
0: When you find it, because I, one thing about that show, I think he said it was like eight hours, eight, it was an eight hour show with a bunch of comedians. He was laughing. Oh, uh, God. Hello? That That was fun. Oh, are you doing me? Are you putting your finger on this over this over the speaker when you talk? No, I'm not. Not that I know of. <laughs> I do that a lot. He's like, I can't hear you. I'm like, I don't know why you can't hear me. And I got the speaker covered with my thumb because I'm holding the phone. Oh, no, that's not me at all.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> now you sound all right. He sounds all right now. Yeah, yeah. you
0: sound good now. That's good. Phone's just cheap. All right. So, so. How do you how how do you what are some of the uh, techniques you use when the crowd is unruly and maybe not uh, accepting your comedy the way you want them to accept it? And you're bombing. All right, thanks for having me.
1: Have a good night, y'all. Talk to y'all later. See (laughs) you. I'll let them know straight up. They don't pay me enough to, to handle this nonsense. Listen, You're either going to listen or you're not. And uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it all depends on the room. It all depends on the room and how it's set up. You know, sometimes the room is set up to lose. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And once you've done the room one time, you're like, I'm not going back there. There's no reason to go back there. I already know it's a, it, it, it's a bomb waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Why go back? But you want to go back because you want to conquer the room. Right? Uh-huh. You go back and you do it. Um, but how do I handle bombing? It all depends. Like if it was a joke that they didn't like or if it's people not paying attention, then, I, you know, I'll let them know. I see you're not paying attention to me. You know, you know what's going You know, I'll let I will call you out. I will call you out. The show won't be about me anymore. It'll be about you. And I have no problem doing that. Uh, if I'm bombing and the material is horrible, then I'll just start doing crowd work. You know, hey, maybe maybe you guys didn't want to come here for jokes. Maybe you want me to talk to you directly. You know what I mean? I'll start doing that. But it's all different techniques that you want to do. Usually, you know, as a professional comedian, as a seasoned comedian, you have a go-to joke that you know is going to work. But you got to set up the go-to joke properly because even your go-to joke can bomb. You know what I mean? You got to get people engaged before you do your magic trick. You can't just do a magic trick and no one saw the magic trick because now no one saw it, it's no good. So you gotta get people on board with you before you do your good joke. And once you do your uh-huh. good joke, hopefully that'll win them back over to paying attention. And then you just pick up your, ment- your momentum from there. You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. you know, there's certain jokes that comedians have that know it's gonna work. You know, there's certain things that you, you say or you address. Um, if you're going up after somebody who just bombed, you know, I reintroduce myself sometimes. I even after the host introduces me. I'm like, hey, listen, just to let y'all know, my name is Jamie Robbins. I don't know what you thought about the other comedians, but y'all need to pay attention to what the hell I got to say because uh I'm you you you, differ, you try to differentiate yourself from the last bomb that just happened on stage or fire. Oh. Um, because you don't want them to think, oh, here goes another guy who's gonna come up here and stink it up.
0: Nope, that ain't me. Man, no, 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 you're gonna pay attention, goddamn. So this show is called Powerful Impact. Mm-hmm. So can you name three people in your life personally or professionally that made a powerful impact in your life?
1: Uh, personally, I would say my mom, because um, she always said, you know, go after your dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, professionally, I would say uh, talent, who's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um and also, uh, Jonathan Mason, who was the guy who ha- who hired me uh, in sales. It was my first cool. job. Uh, and the reason why I say Jonathan Mason, because working in radio, I was able to expand my comedy career. Because uh-huh. of the connections that I made and just being around different people, a uh-huh. higher level of comedy. Like, I got a chance to meet Arsenio Hall, which is like, whoa, you know what I mean? You Know, simmy, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, you know, uh-huh. crazy! You know, Tom Jordan, a fly jock, you know, uh, DL Hughley, one of the uh, kings of comedy, said the entertainer, you know, Jamie yeah. Foxx, you know, just it's just the list goes on and on, just from you know, comedy and radio, you know. Um, so I have to thank a person like a Jonathan Mason for giving me the opportunity. Uh, to come on just to do sales, but to also not limit me to just sales and understand, hey, this guy does comedy. You mm-hmm. know? Um, This could be a great end for you. And, you know, explore. Fly, young man, fly. So that's what I did.
0: And what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Oh, wow. I want my legacy to be something that my kids are proud of, um, that my family's proud of, and my friends are proud of. But I know when I leave here, you know, hopefully no time soon, but when I leave here, you know, people will say, you know, the, the, that man, Jamie Roberts helped others, you know, he helped yeah. others get to the next level. Um, and it just doesn't have to be about stage time. It could be about advice. It could be financially. I help. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and we should all be able to help in some way, somehow, you know, whether it's lending your time, uh as far as charity is concerned because you know I, I do a lot of charity as well with my lodge but it's just you know it's i want people to understand that helping others will only it's only going to help yourself you know you, you you are a product of what you put out so if you're putting out good energy you're only going to get good energy back and in real talk my life changed completely changed when i cut off the negative energy out of my life Mm-hmm. You know, and I started concentrating on the better things in life. And I didn't even yeah. have to go to therapy for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing, is there anything you want to promote? Any shows you that you have Hell, coming yeah. up? Where yeah. Get. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So mm-hmm. we got,
1: you know, we got comedy in Harlem, which is uh, the only black comedy club in New York City. We hold about 90 people seated. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's great space to see some great acts. I'm going to be in Boston on the Love is a Joke Tour with uh, my wife, uh, Nikki Sunshine, Max Cohen, and Vicki Cooperman up at Laugh Boston for Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, the last time we were there, we sold it out two shows. Uh, that was pre-pandemic. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're excited to go back to them. I'm going to be in, in the Hamptons and Sag Harbor in, in, uh, the following week, uh, at the SAG Harbor Theater with my man Joseph Vesey, uh, who's a writer with, um, oh, man, I don't forgot the guys. Adam Sandler. He does oh. a lot of work with Adam Sandler. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple things coming up. But if you want to know, go to jamierobbins.com. And you can also catch me at uh, uh, com- comedyinharlem.com as well.
0: And we'll be putting everything in the description. I know you got to run. So thank yeah. you so much thank for coming you for on. It. Thank you. Please come back again because yeah. this was so, was so wonderful, and I think people um, really need to see our 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 people moving the way you're moving. So Thank we really appreciate you.
1: Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much. You guys enjoy your night. All right.
0: Thank you, you Jamie.
2: Too. All you. right. All right. Powerful, this impact. powerful impact. Powerful impact. Boom, like a cannon. <laughs> definitely. Peace, Jamie. <Jimmy. laughs>